Hi folks, this is Bob Main. Welcome to another episode of the Handgun World Podcast. A practical show done by a practical guy, and that is me. This is April 19th, episode 503. April 19th, 2020. So I'm going to get right into it. You know, I've been promising all the listeners that episodes 501 through 505 are going to be on just simple, basic preparedness given the COVID-19 crisis. And really, it shouldn't really take a crisis like this to get everybody to prepare. But, you know, unfortunately, that's the way it is. People don't really, you know, start doing what they're supposed to do till the stink hits the fan. And... Unfortunately, that's what it is. So since a lot of people are paying attention to this now, uh, I want to talk about it. Just like I used to do back in the day when I did today's survival show, talking for years about doing what you can with what you have wherever you are when a disaster strikes. As I like to call it, when a stink hit the fan incident happens, are you ready? So let me let you know this show is sponsored by Concealment Solutions, makers of terrific concealed carry holsters. If you're new to concealed carry of uh, handguns, check out concealmentsolutions.com. They make fantastic products, concealmentsolutions.com, and you get 10% off just by being a Handgun World podcast listener. Uh, the coupon code HANDGUNWORLD gets you 10% discount at checkout. And just to let you know, they're not just a paid sponsor, but I use their products. I own seven Concealment Solutions holsters. I used to have eight, gave one away, but I own seven. So I'm a huge believer in their product. So not only because they sponsor this show, I've been talking about them for years, even before they were a sponsor. Check them out, concealmentsolutions.com. So I want to talk about PPE, personal protection equipment. And there will be a little bit of firearms discussion in this episode, but mostly about common sense survivalism. PPE is, that's the one area of preparation that I was pretty weak on until lately and still have a way to go. So a few things I want to say about that personal protection equipment uh, is what that means. Right now, in at least in America and in most cities, there's an order to put a mask on when you're out in public. Uh, to be wearing a mask when you're going to be out there in public and doing things out and about. Um, there's good and bad to that. Mostly good, but I think people need to understand what it really is all about and what the, what the mask actually does. Some people are homemaking. They're, I mean, they're, they're using homemade masks out of cloth that they make themselves. Some people are buying masks. Some are buying N95 masks. Some just the surgical type masks. You know, just the regular uh, cotton masks or whatever that you see hospital staff commonly wearing before all the COVID-19 um, hit. And I just want to share some information that I've done some research on here. And of course, I'll put a link to everything I'm talking about in the show notes. Matter of fact, pretty much every subject I talk about goes on the show notes. So just go over to episode 503 and uh, at handgunworld.com. That's handgunworld.com. And, uh, and you can check it out. So we'll get right into talking about some masks. So an epidemiologist over at Johns Hopkins uh, University had mentioned uh, in 
in some information that I was reading that she was kind of concerned that some people um, by wearing masks out in public were going to strain the supply that's needed by doctors and, uh, and nurses. And, you know, she says if we fix that supply, she'll be a little bit less worried. Well, I think we're working on fixing that supply. But still, if you try to buy masks now, they're difficult to find. you got to wait a long time to get them, and you got to pay a lot of money. So consider homemaking a mask and uh, checking out. Get on YouTube. Learn how to make a mask. Uh, I've been able to secure some and uh, working on making some right now as I do this uh, podcast. One thing that we got to be careful about is is some people think that masks can give people kind of an exaggerated false sense of security, kind of like a feeling of invincibility, right? I'm not going to get the coronavirus. I'm not going to I'm not going to get COVID-19 now because I'm wearing a mask. Uh, that's not true. Uh, it, wearing a mask does not replace what you're supposed to be doing. Washing your hands, try not to touch your face, social distancing, things like that. Uh, you're not invincible. I mean, you go if you go to the grocery store with a mask on, you're not invincible. And and the most important thing is, the mask helps to prevent you from transmitting COVID-19 or a lot of other things for that matter to somebody else. So I guess in theory, if everybody at the store is wearing a mask, that's going to help if everybody's doing it. But it doesn't mean you can start, you know, getting close to people and shaking hands and then. After you shake their hand, you, you touch your face or touch your mask and things like that. And, you know, don't touch your mask. Don't touch your mask once you put it on your face uh, because then you end up contaminating the mask possibly. So if everybody's doing it, I guess, in, in where you are, then I suppose that's, that's a good thing. But when you breathe, talk, laugh, sneeze, stuff like that, you will be less likely to, to get droplets Um that are that are going out and that's that's you know we know that the COVID-19 spreads a lot you know it's a it's through droplets and things like that so the masks do help but just don't think that it makes you Superman and that you now no longer can get COVID-19 because you're wearing a mask of any kind now if you're going to home make a mask uh, a cloth face covering is uh, it's, it's usually okay couple things, and I'm going to put a link in the show notes, a couple things to remember when you're wearing a, a piece of cloth that's a face covering you're using as a mask. It's got to fit su- snugly. It's got to fit real snug on your face. Keep it comfortable, but also keep it snug. Secure it to your ears with ties or ear loops, rubber bands, whatever it is that you have to do. Um, try to include multiple layers of fabric. Uh, make sure you can breathe easy from it. And also, make sure that it's able to be put in the laundry and then machine dried uh, without damaging it. That's These are some of the keys for making homemade masks and things like that. So, um, materials. Uh, let's, let's talk a little bit about materials that you could possibly use. Cloth bandanas are probably the most 
po uh, popular and probably the easiest to obtain. You may already have some. You could cut up a t-shirt. You could cut up an old shirt, uh, whichever way that you wanted to, to be able to make it into a mask. There's a good tutorial on doing that. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time explaining it on this podcast, but I'll put it a link in the show notes um, how you can do that. And, you know, if you, if you got scissors, if you're good with sewing, you got a needle and thread, you got some elastic, you got some rubber bands, you know, hair ties, cloth strips, whatever, you got some rectangle pieces of cotton fabric, you, you can do it. It's not that difficult. Um, now, if you have N95 masks, okay, more power to you. If you have other types of masks, uh, you can afford to buy them or whatever, that's great. Just a bandana if it's done right and you can secure it to your face so that it's comfortable and that it's uh, tight enough to be effective most likely is going to do the trick. Now let's talk a little bit about gloves. Uh, gloves, I think, and based, based on what I'm, I'm searching out there to try to improve my level of preparation, gloves can be somewhat problematic because Gloves, a lot of people don't really know how to properly use gloves. They don't know how to properly put them on. They don't know how to properly take them off. They don't understand what they could be doing while they have their gloves on. Again, this could really be a huge false sense of security if you're not using gloves properly. Uh, example, a lot of people, even though they have gloves on, they'll still touch their face. And... So, okay, so maybe the gloves might have prevent, prevented the virus from getting on your hands, but then as soon as you touch your face, guess what? You've contaminated yourself. A lot of people, are, they're, they're still on their phone. They're still touching their phone, their iPhone, smartphone, whatever they have. They're, they're operating, I've seen this, I've seen this. People are operating their phone with the gloves. Well, guess what? Uh, you, you still could be contaminating the gloves, contaminating the phone uh, because of what's on your gloves, so, you still got to practice the, sto the social distancing. It's, you know, the gloves are, the, the, the gloves don't give you an, an immunity, okay? It doesn't give you an, an immunity or permission to touch everything within reach. You know, any germs that might be on your gloves can be transferred to other surfaces and items that you, that's, that, you, know, that you touch. That's why it could be kind of counterproductive to wear gloves. Especially if you're going through your purse, you're sending a text on your phone or whatever while you're out in public and, um, and, and doing things like that. Remember, COVID-19 can enter your body through mucous membranes like your nose and your mouth. It does not enter your body through your hands. But the hands can transport the particles to the mucous membranes. So there's even a possibility that, that this virus could stick to your latex gloves and then be transmitted to you by yourself, by you, and could adhere to your, to your skin. So, you know, think about that. Gloves, um, when you take them off, you know, if you go to my YouTube channel, go to my YouTube channel. Uh, watch the interview I did with Ben Branham and Dr. John Adeen. And he talks about the proper way. In that video, he talks about the proper way to use gloves and how to put them on, how to take them off properly. Check it out, Handgun World YouTube channel. Just find me at, 
at Handgun World on YouTube. Handgun World on YouTube. I'll put a link to that video in the show notes as well. Uh, we talk a lot about COVID-19 preparedness. So if you're not a subscriber or a, a regular watcher of my YouTube channel, check it out. And we talk about gloves on that video. It's important stuff on there. But if you still swear by wearing gloves, uh, it's, it's very important to avoid cross-contamination when you wear them. Otherwise, they're kind of useless. Um, so here's, the, here's another issue. A lot of people just don't take their gloves off right away. Um, don't ever reuse gloves. And make sure you take them, right, take them off right away when you're done going about wherever you're going. And a couple of things to remember when you're taking them off. And John, John Adine did a pretty good job of demonstrating this on the video and talking about it. Grasp the outside of the glove at the wrist, but, at the wrist, but don't touch your skin. So grab the outside of the gloves near your wrist. Don't touch your skin. Peel the glove away from your body by pulling it inside out. Now take the glove you just took off that you removed and put that I mean, hold the glove you just took off in your other gloved hand. Then peel the second glove off by putting your fingers that are not contaminated because you were careful about not, cont not contaminating them. Put those inside the glove at the top of your wrist. Turn the second glove inside out and, while, and, and take it away from your body. Pull it off your hand, taking it away from your body. Then immediately dispense, throw away trash those gloves and don't leave them. I've seen this so much, so many times. It really bothers me. Don't throw the gloves out on the parking lot and leave them in the store parking lot outside of your car. Uh, I've seen so much of that. That that bothers me to a great deal. And then wash or use hand sanitizer right away, right after you've removed the gloves. Okay. Uh, and if I didn't do a good, good enough job of explaining it, because this is an audio podcast, it's so much easier to show things on video. Check out the links that I put uh, here on this episode, because there's a lot of good demonstrations that you'll find there. So there's a few tips on PPE. I'm also glad to see that public areas like stores and places like that, they're putting up uh, clear plexiglass barriers to keep people away from each other and and to try to make sure people are maintaining that appropriate distance and being careful what what gets transmitted from checkout person to the customer going through the line and things like that even though it seems like the restrictions are loosening up a little bit especially here in the great state of Texas where I live uh, the announcement was made by the governor that we're going to start phase one of reopening here in Texas pretty soon. Hey, I do like the fact that the uh, federal government has pretty much revived the Tenth Amendment again, and they're and they're leaving it up to the states to to decide when, where, and how that they reopen. Um, long live the Tenth Amendment, folks! Uh, that's what we're all about in the United States of America. Fifty individual free sovereign states that are are a huge coalition. That's the way it's supposed to be. It's not supposed to be a big oppressive form of federal government making the decisions and dictating it to the states. I mean, if that's the way it is, then then why have states? 
I mean, why would why would you want to have states with individual governments? The way it was set up to begin with, and and that is fifty individual, independent, sovereign states that make their own decisions for the most part. Constitution even says that any anything that is not written in the Constitution, any federal powers that are not enumerated in the Constitution are to be left to the states to decide. That's the Tenth Amendment. And we're reopening the country, and I think we're also reopening our our Tenth Amendment quite a bit. So it's good to see. I I was pleased by that. So I see some people out there walking around with big face shields and everything like that. I mean, I guess that doesn't hurt if you want to do that. Um, I just, I still think that it's uh, kind of overkill. But if that's something that you can do, you feel comfortable doing, and and you can afford to buy it, and you can get one, and things like that, it's difficult. It's difficult. But if that's what you want to do, I guess then I would have to say, uh, go do it. Now let's talk about some other uh, preparations that I want to talk about. I really think you need to start preparing for the future because it would not surprise me one bit. And I'd like to get some feedback on this from you. I have a good voicemail for this show, 210-646-1727. We're going to hear a voicemail coming up later in this episode about firearms. But you can call in and talk about anything, 210-646-1727, and I'll put you on the Handgun World podcast and respond to your voicemail. I think we may have a second wave of this coming, either later on this year or even possibly in 2021. Uh, Don't know how bad it's going to be. Nobody knows really how bad it could be, but you need to get prepared. Uh, One of the saddest things that I see is what this virus is doing to our economy worldwide, not just America. And I'm not saying that we should not have done the shutdown. I think maybe in some cases the shutdown or quarantine or whatever you want to call it has been overdone in some some cases, not every case. But it, it's going to cause, I think it's going to cause a lot of residual issues in, in many ways. Economically is going to be the biggest way. Now, one of the things that is bothering me is there seems to be a big, huge push for people to take loans or to get loans forgiven, or deferred payments, and things like that. Now, if you absolutely must do that to survive, I understand. If that's what you got to do, if you got to get a mortgage forbearance, if you've got to get a modified loan, if you're a small business that needs to get a loan, if you simply just cannot survive, but just be careful with debt. Be very careful with debt. Um, I think the SBA right now is saying that the loans are going to be forgiven, but I wouldn't count on that, folks. I I don't trust. I just I sort of have an inherent distrust of our government. When I see the overreaching that has been done by some of our leaders, some of our governors, mayors, even federal officials, I don't trust them. If they say, "Hey, we're going to give you this loan to keep your business afloat," and you know, I mean, look, folks, they're calling it a loan. They're not calling it a grant. They're calling it a loan. So how can they with a straight face say, well, here's a loan and, uh, and you don't have to pay it back. We're, we're forgiving this. Well, if they're going to forgive it, it's not a loan. It's basically a, a tossing out of money. Um, I, I really think that you're going to be on the hook for something if you take out a loan, 
whether it's for your business or whether obviously if it's a personal loan and even if you if you modify your mortgage for example it's only a modification they're not forgiving you of mortgage payments even rent i mean you know your landlord's not going to forgive your rent i mean your landlord might give you a deference most of them maybe 90 days 120 days but they're going to collect from you so you got to start preparing for the future it's such a shame when I see that Americans in in one of the greatest countries on earth, many Americans cannot cover a $1,000 emergency. They cannot go for a month without a paycheck. Um, I think you at least need to be able to go. You need to be in a position where you can go for a month without a paycheck and not be going through the soup lines. Okay? And speaking of that... Um, my hat is off to all the great charitable organizations. I don't know if you've seen on the news the San Antonio Food Bank. Uh, they're doing miraculous things here for the people that are in dire straits. And uh, lately I've been supporting the food bank a lot and I'm continuing to do so even do- during COVID-19 because the San, Antonio- the San Antonio Food Bank is just doing heroic, heroic things. But do the best you can to not have to be dependent on that stuff in the future. So start planning now. I hope that I hope that this crisis has motivated you to start planning now and uh, have some kind of an emergency fund, okay? Some kind. Because I mean, a lot of people are complaining because their coronavirus stimulus has been delayed. I haven't even I haven't received mine yet. Uh, in fact, I'm not even sure I qualify. Because I've done pretty well in the last couple of years uh, with my job and my my sales career, so you know, I, I've been doing I've been doing pretty well for more than two years, but the last three years actually have been pretty good. So if I never do get a coronavirus stimulus, if I never get one, it's going to be okay. Um, but some people are just absolutely dependent on it right now and they're freaking out if theirs hasn't been deposited in their bank account set a goal when this is over or even before this is over to never let yourself get in that situation ever again how about that what's your opinion on that set a goal to never be dependent on your government never be a hundred percent dependent on your government ever again would you agree with me on that I I hope so. So enough about that. I think you got the point, but I think that it's something that I, I sure hope if if this has not woken somebody up and and made them realize that they cannot be dependent on their government anymore, then I just think that those types of people are completely lost and they're always going to be dependent on govern, government. And unfortunately, not just in America, but throughout the world, seems like we have a pretty large number of people like that. It's quite distressing, actually. All right, time to shift gears. I want to remind you that sometimes people put out gun reviews from time to time, and I do it, and I recently put out a gun review on Facebook, and one of my listeners had some comments to give me about a gun review that I recently, or a review of several guns that I put on on Facebook recently. So he called in a voicemail, which you can do, 210-646-1727. 
Let's listen. Hey, Bob. It's uh, Dave in Utah. I'm um, responding to a Facebook post that you put up um, talking about uh, considering whether or not uh, you want to go, you know, the merits of going with the SIG 365XL or the Glock 43X with those new higher capacity magazines. And um, so this is a this is a tricky issue. I think uh, I you mentioned that you know those, having that capacity makes guns like the 43 or the M&P Shield obsolete since they are you know bigger and have less capacity and i would say not necessarily one of the awesome things about the shield when it first came out was that it was a a small gun smaller than a glock 19 size and easy to conceal and easy for a lot of people with smaller hands to get a good grip on it yet it was large enough that it's actually comfortable for most people to shoot you know Back then, you had a choice between, like, a Glock 19 or, like, a Car PM9 or a Walter PPS, and all those are awesome guns. They kind of, if you blow through a couple of hundred rounds in a practice session, they kind of, you, you feel you're like your hand's been thumped a bit. So the MP Shield being just a little bit bigger was something that you could practice all day with, and a lot of people really enjoyed shooting it. So I think uh, as part of your evaluation, when you're trying to decide, you need to decide uh, which is the gun that you can shoot best with a minimal amount of input. Um, so I would do, I would practice doing like some draw to first shot with a timer, maybe draw to first shot with a hard sidestep with a timer, and then maybe some bill drills. And then look at what's the gun that you that you actually perform the best with that is most comfortable for you to shoot with. Rather than, you know, then we can, after that, think about capacity. Because maybe the shield fits your hand so well that uh, while it has fewer rounds than a SIG 365XL, you're a, you're a dead shot with it and are really quick and instinctive and, and all those type of things. Anyway, just some things to think about. Maybe capacity is not the most important thing. Maybe it is for you. I don't know. Some things to consider. Thanks. Keep up the good work. Bye. Okay. Thank you very much, Dave. He brought up a good point about capacity. And what I put out on social media may have seemed like I was calling some guns obsolete because of their lack of capacity. I, I want to be clear. I did not call them obsolete. That was not the intent of my post. Uh, I called them less practical. As you know, I'm a practical guy. I'm an everyday guy. And I, I just take my Second Amendment rights seriously and my, my right to prepare and, and be a common sense survivalist. I take that seriously, too. And so I look at things from a practical standpoint. I don't, I don't really try to say things are obsolete. I don't have the authority to do that. What I'm saying is if you're the kind of person buying your first gun, um, shootability is, is important. And Dave's point about one gun being less, have a, have a lower capacity than another gun, but it's more shootable, uh, that, that's a very good point. So, look, don't be concerned if your gun doesn't hold 15 rounds. That wasn't the point of my, my uh, post, or if your gun doesn't hold 12 rounds. If you got a 7-shot, 8-shot handgun, even a 6-shot, 5-shot revolver, if you can shoot it well, 
that's great. And that's my point. If you can shoot it well. Some guns are not very fun to shoot. Uh, and the greatest example I can think of is a five-shot snub-nosed revolver. Most of them suck to shoot. They really do. Now, please don't take this the wrong way. I didn't say those guns suck. I just said for beginners that are just getting started, they're, no, they're not much fun to, sh to shoot. They, are, they suck when you shoot them because they're just difficult. They got a tough trigger pull. They recoil a lot. They make a heck of a lot of noise. And even a lot of small semi-automatics do as well. Now, Dave in his voicemail specifically mentioned the Smith & Wesson Shield. That's a fantastic gun that is so easy to shoot. And it's considered a small slimline 9mm. Uh, comes with a 7-round flush magazine and an 8-round slightly extended magazine. I, I've always been a big fan of the Smith & Wesson Shield. All I'm, all I'm trying to say in my post is that other guns offer you a little bit more benefit than the Shield does right now. Now, if, it's, if that's a gun that you can shoot that thing extremely well, you can shoot lights out, and, and it's comfortable for you, stick with it. Uh, don't go off and sell your shield because because there's other other stuff out there. If you want to do that, do that. But I'm not saying that I think you should do that. However, if you want to buy a small 9mm semi-auto, I think that there are slightly better choices than the shield these days. Uh, the Sig P365s are pretty reliable now. That's one. I'm going to mention a couple of others pretty soon. By the way, about a year and a half ago, I put out a, a YouTube video. I put out two of them that got a lot of attention and controversy. And the title was, Why I'm Not Buying a P365 Right Now. And I put that video out when the P365 first came out. And I'm glad I did. And I stand behind every word I said in those videos. Guess what? I now own a SIG P365. Because I believe that the problems that those guns had when they first came out have been resolved. And so I decided to purchase one. And I'm seriously thinking about getting a P365XL because the features on that gun are even better than the P365 regular version. You know, the new slim, small Glocks, the Glock 43X and the Glock 48s, um, I think those might be slightly better choices than a Shield, especially a Glock 43X. Not because I'm a Glock fanboy. Don't go there on me. Don't call me that. But think about it. You can now get reliable 15-round magazines. And they're back in stock now. Shield Arms S15 magazines. Ben and I just did a nice review at Modern Handgunners. And on my YouTube channel, I did a review on the Shield S15 mags. One of my listeners, John Tidd, he, uh, he sent me one of those. Thank you so much, John, for doing that. I, I so much appreciate that. Can't tell you how much, uh, how generous, generous of a gesture that was. And I got two more that are on order. They're back in stock now. So now that they're good quality, they're metal, they're easy uh, to use, and they're the same size as the factory magazines, you think about it. That makes it pretty much a, a superior, slightly superior gun compared to the shield. Um, the Glock 43X, if you hold it up to a shield, Smith & Wesson shield, 
with an 8-round magazine it, they're about the same size and pretty close to the same thickness. But now the Glock 43X has 15 rounds and the Shield only has 9. So just think about that. You know, just think about that. I'm not saying, like I said, don't go off and sell your Smith & Wesson Shield. But it's just, it's something to think about. I think the jury's still out on the the Springfield uh, Hellcat, but you know, let's see, let's see what happens with that gun. Mossberg's new uh, slimline nine millimeter, small nine millimeter, is also another really good pistol, low priced, reasonable. So I'm just saying, there's going to come a point in time where this um, COVID-19 crisis is going to be behind us, and guns are going to be easier to buy, and they're going to be easier to find, and so is ammunition, and so you're going to have these huge choices again. Just be critical and judicious about your gun choices, because there are a lot of good ones, and the Sig P365 XL is really getting my attention. Uh, I know people that have them and are having really good luck with them. I like the flat trigger on the that pistol. I like the fact that it's optics ready. I like the fact that um, it's come standard with 12 round magazines and you don't have to use a grip or a magazine extension to get 12 rounds. With, with my regular P365, if I put in a 12 round magazine, it's got the extension on the magazine, which sometimes can cause some problems. With the P365 XL, I get a 13 round gun, very compact and most likely extremely reliable. 13 rounds. Uh, one person said, hey, Bob, don't you like the Glock 26 anymore? Hey, I used to love the Glock 26, but here's a good example. I know I might get some bad comments about this, but I don't care. I think a lot of guns have way surpassed the Glock 26. When it first came out, it was revolutionary. When was it, like 1994? Isn't that when it first came out? 26 years ago? Uh, I think in the past 26 years, there are firearms that probably make some more practical sense than a Glock 26. If you're buying a new gun, if you have a Glock 26 and it works great for you, keep your Glock 26. It's a fantastic gun and you can take the magazines from a 19 or a 17 or a 34 and you can put them in your Glock 26 and you can shoot it all day long with virtually no problem so that is a good thing Glock 26 uh, is a great gun people have been very accurate with a Glock 26 I have been much more accurate with a 43x than I ever was with a Glock 26 so there there's something to think about even the Smith & Wesson Shield I mean the new 2.0 models of the of the Smith & Wesson Shield Ooh, man I'm accurate I'm accurate with that gun. So, yeah, just think about it. Um, you know, the small double stack XDMs, the Glock 26s and guns like that, um, you know, those are those are old guns that were good in their day, but now, I don't know, times have changed. Just my personal opinion. Please don't get too mad at me. It's just my opinion. You know what? You're going to hear, it's my show, you're going to hear my opinions on this show sometimes. Uh, take them for what they're worth. Don't get mad, but if you want to do some, if you want to give me some good comments, email me, handgunworld at 
gmail.com. That's handgunworld at gmail.com. 210-646-1727. Now, these days, while we're in quarantine, we have a lot of chance to dry fire practice. Please be doing that. Please be dry firing when you can't get out to the range safely. Ben and I recently put up a great Shooters Club video on how to dry fire practice. We gave you some initial tips. We got to do a part two for the Shooters Club members, but check it out. If you're not a member of the Shooters Club, you're going to get some great ideas on how to practice for only $8 a month or $75 a year. Check it out, ShootersClubMembers.com, ShootersClubMembers.com. Only $8 a month. It's easy to afford. Over 80 videos are on the Shooters Club. And I think you're going to get a lot out of it, especially during quarantine time when, when we all seem to have extra time on our hands right now. So let me take a minute to set up episode 504. I'm going to be talking about some more common sense, uh, simple preparedness that you can do. I, I also may have another... Uh, small amount of information to share with you on some firearms that I've been messing around with lately and some things that I've been doing. And if I get these shield magazines in on time and have a chance to get to the range, maybe in 505, episode 505, I'll give a complete shooting review of the shield magazines. But check out again, go to my YouTube channel. Um, go to YouTube, youtube.com slash handgunworld show actually it's my old name of the show handgun world show or just just search handgun world podcast and you will find it and check out the two videos that are up there right now about the shield arms magazines links will be in the show notes for this episode as well last but not least my amazon store is still rocking and rolling so a lot of people are buying on amazon right now go to handgunworld.com first and go to my store then log into your Amazon account and purchase away, and that way you don't have to spend any extra money, but you still support me. I'd very much appreciate that. And please don't forget about giving me an iTunes review if you use iTunes or Apple Podcasts, as it's now called. I would love for you to write a review or give me a rating over there. I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. Uh, this is this is the completion of episode 503. And folks, remember, uh, stay prepared. Do what you can with what you have, wherever you are. Open your mind. Don't, please don't think that, uh, that survival people are, are crazy fringe-dwelling people, because we're not. And I think current events have proven that point. And finally, remember, evil does not exist in the holster. It exists in the hearts of men and women. That's where it originates, not in the holster. So shoot straight, shoot safe. Please read your Bible every day and I'll catch you next week. Bye.